Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. You, uh, why don't you open up uh, with me in your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, and if you're able to open up, I encourage you to do so. Psalm 84, if you've got a phone, you can, um, you can go on your phone. If you've got your, your Bible with you, you can open up. But uh, I'm super excited for, for this morning. It's understatement. <laughs> I uh, just wanted to reiterate something as well. For those of you that came in, maybe you weren't here at the beginning of service. We do our announcements in the beginning of service. So I encourage you, if you can, to get here a few minutes early. Uh, but this Thursday from 12 to 2, this, this Thursday coming up from 12 to 2 right in this office, we're going to be praying specifically over a building and what the Lord has, has next for us and what the next steps could look like. Because um, obviously the weather is, is changing soon. So um, we invite everyone. If you're a part of this body, we invite you to come, and, and we're going to specifically pray for that. All right? So that's uh, Thursday from 12 to 2. So for, for today, I really, I really just so believe in my heart it's going to be a day of breakthrough, uh, a day of, like, our hearts really being liberated, uh, freedom in the Lord. Say Jesus is a healer. I believe we're going to experience that today. So you guys ready? All right, so Psalm 84 uh, I'm going to read just verses 5 through 10. I want to jump right into this and then give time for ministry at the end of service. And, uh, and so I'm not going to spend a lot on the introduction side, but, but I will say this. This is a psalm. The author is, is somewhat unknown, but most hold to it's David. And that's what I would say. And so this appears to be a psalm of David. And psalm, uh, David is writing essentially how his soul longs for the courts of God. His soul longs for, for the sanctuary of God. And what he's saying is he's, he's not longing for structure. He's longing for communion with God. He's longing for the very presence of God. Right? His, this is what his heart aches for. And this entire psalm, Psalm 84, is actually a pilgrimage. It's a journey that David goes on as he's going to the sanctuary, to the house of God, because his soul longs to be with God. And, and I just want to share this, that we're in the new covenant so the glorious news, the, the message of grace is that Jesus, by his blood, washes us to such a degree that we actually become the sanctuary of God now. We are actually the temple of God. We become the home of God. God's presence lives in us. It's an incredible reality. And so as we're reading this, we just need to remember that although David was on a physical journey, there's things that we can apply in our life on a spiritual realm. And so as he's longing and hungry for the presence, uh, there's something that we can actually have in a fuller measure because we operate under the new covenant. And so in verse 2, just so you understand what's happening, in verse 2, David, uh, he talks about how his whole, his, his, his entire being cries out for God. In verse 3, he talks about how the birds and the sparrows and, and, uh, and how these creatures, they actually uh, are content to make their home at the altar. Even they are, are satisfied in the presence of God. And then he goes into verse 4 to say, blessed are those who dwell in the house of God. In other words, he's actually emphasizing the priests and the Levites. If you don't know, they were the only ones who had access to the temple in the Old Covenant every day. But here's the good news. In the New Covenant, we are priests. We, we are, in essence, New Covenant Levites. And so we are the blessed ones who can continually come and experience the presence of God on a daily basis. And so I'm going to pick it up in verse 5. The key of what I really want to read is actually verse 10. Verse 10, I feel like, is the key as to what really is driving David's uh, passion to meet with the Lord. He knows something about the power of God's presence, 
the, the beauty of God's presence, and that's in verse 10, but I want you to just stay with me as we read through this. So verse 5, here he goes. He's on this journey, and he says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. So what does that mean? He's saying, blessed is the one whose heart and mind is set on the Lord. Highways, it's like it's a direction to Zion. That's where God dwells. He says, that person who learns to make Jesus his chief fascination, it's what he's preoccupied with, he says, that man is blessed. Verse 6, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Real quick, what does that mean? The man that sets his heart, the man who says, Lord, you are central to my life. I live for you like you are what, what you're my chief pursuit in life. He says that man is blessed. And what, even though he goes to the valley of Baca, what is that? The valley of Baca actually means valley of tears, valley of weeping. It's the day of trouble that we'll look at in a few minutes, right? We, we go through this, but he says even when you go through this, that place will be transformed to a life, to a place of springs. The very tears that you weep, if you set your heart on the Lord, God will actually transform it so that that becomes a testimony of God's grace in your life. Like there will actually be springs that birth forth from your place of disappointment and loss if you set your heart on the Lord. And then he says this, they go from strength to strength, meaning they get stronger and stronger. Each one appears before God in Zion. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Verse 9, behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And then finally, verse 10 right here. Listen to this. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And what was really stirring in my heart for this morning is to speak about the power of a day. The power of a day, meaning what do I mean? He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. What's the courts? The courts is where God is enthroned. And where God is enthroned is where his presence is. And what David is testifying to is, is one encounter with you, a day where I have access to your presence can do more. Can, can change me in a way that a thousand other days could never change. Like what I could never do in my own strength, if I have access to come before you, Lord, that day will shift the rest of my days. Like there is such hope in today because Jesus' presence is in our midst. And what we've been trying to overcome in our strength, Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll do more in this day than you could ever do in a thousand other days. And I feel that, I feel that oftentimes we say scriptures like this, I know I do, and it just rolls off my lips. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And yet I do not really like let it sink in the weightiness of what David is testifying to. And like what we have access to in today. You know where the better day is today? It's right now. Like the, the, the day that David's testifying to is saying better is that day to be in your presence. We're in it right now. In New Covenant believers, like he's here right now, here right in our midst. The very thing David Longford said is better than anything else. This day, like, like when we have encounters with the presence of God, that day can change every other day that falls in your life. This day, because of God's presence here, can, 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 can transcend and trump every other day that followed leading up to this day. 
Meaning you can have a thousand days of heartache, you can have a thousand days of disappointment, you can have a thousand days of just feeling like, man, you're just going through it, but then you come into this one day where you have access to his presence, which is today, and everything can shift if we give him a heart. Like, this is good news. There is power in this day because Jesus' presence is here. And therefore, the rest of our days can change because of today. And the days that came before can change because of today. And I believe it's going to happen. I really do. Like, if you've been walking through the day of trouble, it doesn't have to turn into weeks and months and years. We come before this day, God's presence, and our hearts can change. It doesn't mean our outer circumstances always change, but I can tell you something. Something will shift inside your heart. Something will shift inside your heart. Man, my, I was sharing with my wife, and uh, she reminded me of uh, Michael Dow's testimony. You guys know Michael Dow? Some of you were here at Deeper last year. He came to speak at our conference uh, last year for Deeper. Oh, no, yeah, last year. For deeper, and I won't get into all the details. I wish I would have actually looked it up, but it was really in my heart thinking about how powerful one day is in the presence of God, right? Uh, he came and spoke, and here's, you guys, a lot of people don't know his testimony. Hopefully he'll be here next year. Uh, he wasn't always uh, uh, preaching the gospel. He was actually a drug addict, and he was diseased. He openly shares this. He actually had herpes. Uh, his body was, he told he would never be able to have a regular relationship with his wife, uh, he said his kids would be tainted, like his body was broken because of the lifestyle that he lived. And what's amazing is that he, uh, he had an altercation with a pastor's son. And so he went to the church, guess what to do? To kill the pastor's son, true story. Like he was, he was involved in gangs, like he, I, I, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he had weapons in the car, I think, or in the trunk, I don't remember, but, but he went there to kill the pastor's son, to have an altercation with him, and he went into service with all of these days leading up of anger and abuse and addiction. And when he went in there, the gospel was preached and his heart was touched and he went to the altar and had his life forever changed. And you know what's the best part? He winds up marrying the pastor's daughter. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, he was filled and touched with by the Holy Spirit and his body was completely healed. And he doesn't have any type of ailments from his past life. So one day, one day, this man's life was changed. The thousand days that came before and everything shifted. And I just feel like we need to have that type of expectation for every single day and especially right now. David says better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. What, what does that mean, a thousand? Well, in the literal sense, that's almost three years. So he's saying, God, you can do more in just in an encounter with you than I could do in three years. But it's actually even better than that. Because a thousand is, is an expression that's used in the scriptures. It's very symbolic. It actually means unending. So, for example, in Psalm 50, it says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Does that mean on the thousand and first hill God doesn't own it? No, no, no. What it's saying is that he has unending provision. It, it's an expression on a thousand hills. The scriptures talk about in Exodus 20, God says that the the father can really dictate generations that follow after him. He says the sins of a father will be passed down unto the third and fourth generations. Meaning the immediate generations will bear the effect of their father's lifestyle. But he says, but a righteous man, a man who loves me, he says, I'll bless a thousand generations. Does that mean the thousand and first is not blessed? No, no, no. He's, he's saying a thousand unending generations will be blessed. So when he says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, he's saying, man, I could have unending days, I could have unending resources, unlimited resources or something, and it will never be able to do what your presence can do. 
My life will never be able to change like it can if I have one encounter with the Lord. He says it's better. What does that mean? I feel the Lord stirred in two things. When something's better, it's, it speaks of desire and ability. Right? If something's better, that means it's more satisfying. So his presence is better than anything this world has to offer. It, it's more desirable. It's more satisfying. I can only find, there's something in this presence that can't be found elsewhere. But then it speaks to ability. Right? If I'm, if I'm watching a sports game and I say that team is better than the other, I'm saying they have a capability that the other team does not have. They can do something that the other team can't do. So when we say that his presence is better than a thousand days elsewhere, it's saying his presence can do something that, that cannot be done outside of it. What, what a thousand days can't do can happen in one day before the Lord. Our heartache, stuff that we carry with, physical ailments in our body, like that stuff can be broken in one day before the Lord. One day before him, everything can shift. Like my life is a testimony of this. A thousand rehabs could not set me free. It could not do what, what one day in the presence of God did for my life. There was a process I walked out, but nothing could break the chains of shame and insecurity like when I came before him. A thousand followers will never deal with insecurity in your heart. But you come before the Lord and you hear him speak sonship over you, that I approve of you, that you're washed in the blood. And more will happen in that moment than a thousand other moments elsewhere. A thousand drinks will never give you the peace that the Prince of Peace can give. Like it's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a hype thing. He is who he says he is. And he's in our midst today. There is power in today because Jesus is alive right now. And we don't have to carry the stuff that we're carrying in our hearts. A thousand successful business deals will never make you feel like you finally arrived. It'll never help you to overcome that feeling like you're always falling short. Like you need to encounter him. You need to encounter Jesus. And listen, David, David's not like an average guy. He is well acquainted with, with the luxuries of, of living in royalty. He knows what it's like to have the praises of man. He knows what it's like to have the abundance of things. And yet he says, you want to know the answer to life? Better is one day in your courts than all that other stuff. God, you'll do more, more in one moment we encounter you, God, than, I, than can happen in a thousand other days. Are you following me? I have such an expectation for today. Like I have great, great hope for things that people have been carrying in their hearts that it's going to be liberated today. Why? Because Jesus is alive today. And we can encounter him today. Like, what will he do in our midst today? What, what will he do today? There's hope. There is hope for every single person today. No one is too far gone. No circumstance is too far out of the reach of God. Like, there is, there is hope for right now in every person's life. Someone's excited for me. I love it. God is, I really believe God has marked this day. I do. I really believe God has marked this day. He marks every day, but I believe God has marked this day. And, and I, I'm just trying to provoke our hearts for us to minister at the end of service, to come with faith and say, man, if I just really meet with the Lord, like you look in scriptures, man, there were people who tore up in roofs, who did whatever, whatever they could take. And they said, if I can just touch him, if I can just get before Jesus, everything will shift. And he's moved heaven and earth so that we can have access to him today. Today. Psalm 118, 24 says what? This is the day 
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Should we be happy about today? Absolutely, but it goes deeper than that. It's about an expectation for today. Listen to me. The infinite God made this day. He made it. Not your decisions. I feel like sometimes I operate as if Satan has made this day. And I find myself with no hope. And we have a butterfly flying around, which is a picture of new life. New life. I really believe that. New life. God transforms our lives. He'll transform lives here today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. The Lord has made it, which means even though... Yes, our decisions matter, but my decisions, they actually still come under the sovereignty of the one who's made this day. And if I would position my heart to him, his sovereignty still trumps all of my decisions. Like his grace is still great in all my decisions. Because he says, honestly, Andrew, you didn't make this day. I made this day. I have purpose for this day. And my purposes will prevail in this day. Would we come with that type of excitement and anticipation? 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. It's not salvation. We said it last week. It's not just a past event. It's not just a future hope. It's a present reality. He can set people free. As believers, we're continually being set free from lies and all the stuff that we carry. And today is that day. But Hebrews 3.15 says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. So I believe the Lord, there's an active voice every day where God's speaking to us. Our job is to respond and just surrender to that voice. Just yield to his voice, whatever he says. We say this all the time. More will be accomplished in your life through surrender than striving. What's Jesus' call over and over? It's come. Come if you're restless. Come if you're thirsty. The only thing you have to do is acknowledge a need. He does the rest. He does the rest, and you submit and come before the Lord. Man, I, I just believe, and it's not just for today, guys. You can do this every morning. Like, you, you can do this. We have prayer sets here. This is why we're a house of prayer, a house centered on the presence of God. We worship and pray morning and night. Why? To get people continually before the presence of God, because we know when that happens, things shift in people's hearts. Like, I love to preach the word, but, but there's a point where even a thousand sermons can never transform a life if his presence is not in the midst of this. But we get people to connect with Jesus and lives are changed. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus we see in the Bible that was yesterday, he's available today. Why is that important? I think because most of us, or at least I can say in my own life, I fail to embrace today with faith because of past regrets or worries about my tomorrow. But he's the same as he was yesterday, as he is forever. That God is right here available today. And I know that what took place yesterday still applies today. It applies forever. And I can fully embrace today with faith that what saved me 10 years ago is still being actively applied to my life. And he's still here this morning. Do you know what uh, it says in Revelation twenty-two sixteen? You know what Jesus' name is? One of his names, he's the bright morning star. He's the bright morning star. Do you know why that is? I felt the Lord direct me this week and I looked and I was like, man, this is just, you know when you almost feel like it's, it's just too good. <laughs> it's too good when the Lord just starts to connect the dots. The morning star is an actual thing. I don't know if you guys know this. The morning star is the star that appears right before sunlight. 
Many believe it's Venus on a very literal sense. But when you see the morning star, it's very important because you know that daylight is coming. In other words, when the morning star in the natural sense comes forth, especially in biblical times, when they saw the morning star, that morning star was proclaiming, heralding that a new day was coming. So when Jesus is the bright morning star, his life is a continual proclamation and declaration that a new day is dawning upon your life. There's a new hope coming. There's new freedom coming. He is forever declaring that, that, that the old is gone, even in the midst of darkness. Even when you feel like you're walking through darkness, when you see the bright morning star, your heart is encouraged to know something new is about to come. And there's many morning stars. There's many things that promise that they can bring that, but he's the bright one. He's set apart. He is set apart from all the rest. It's the power of a day. The power of a day in the presence of the Lord. What does it say in Psalm 35? It says pain comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now he's the bright morning star and it says pain may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. In other words, there may be a season where there's pain, but when you wake up the next day, it says there, there's joy available. And I, I remember one time we were worshiping at the property owners and we were worshiping something along that, that verse right there. And I remember the Lord really speaking to me about my own frustrations of not seeing or experiencing the new day. And I remember uh, what the Lord was showing me is that the issue was I was waiting for time to do what only Jesus could do. So I kept waking up literally to new days saying, wow, I still feel the pain that I felt last night. Where is it gone? And the Lord had to show me that the new day, the morning, is not about a literal time. It's about Jesus as the bright morning star. So the pain comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. I mean, when we turn our attention to the bright morning star, that's where our hearts get liberated. That's where we get set free, which means you don't have to wait to a physical morning. The bright morning star is here. A new day could be here right now. Like we don't need to wait for our alarm clocks to go off. Jesus is here right now. I... Um, there's an illustration that I would give often in our, in our class for growth track. So some of you may have heard it, but some of you haven't been there in a while. Um, well, we haven't had it in a while. But here's here, just to give you like a visual of how I see this working. We measure a new day, a new morning by the sun rising and the sun setting. Right? That's the language that we use. So for us, we're saying it's the sun that's moving that's determining a new day, right? Well, technically, that's, that's actually not what happens. What happens is the sun moves, but really it's the earth that's rotating around the sun. And as we're, or as we're orbiting around the sun, we're actually rotating at these 24-hour clips, which means when we experience a new day or we experience darkness, it's not really because the sun has moved. It's because we as earth have turned from the sun or then we turn back towards the sun. Which means, see, some of us, we're waiting for darkness to go, waiting for like the day of trouble that's troubling our heart to go, hoping just some way and and it's turned to weeks, to months, to years, when really it's about us turning to the Son who is forever positioned right before us. Who is forever available before us. And so you don't have to, like, you don't have to wait. <laughs> Jesus is right here. Right here and right now. Man, I was going through, um, I was going through some different parts of Scripture. And uh, this was actually a few months ago. The Lord really uh, highlighted something where... Jesus' healings, when he touched people, so often when he would touch someone, their suffering was quantified. Their suffering was calculable. It was measurable. There was years given to how long that they were suffering for. Have you ever noticed that? 
Just follow me for a moment. I want you to see this because I think your faith will be really stirred. Here's one example. I'll give you a few. One example is in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 8. There's a woman there who's bleeding. Have you ever heard about this story? Jesus was on his way to, um, to Jairus' house. Jairus worked in the temple, and his, and his daughter, I think she was 12 years old, was severely sick, and he was on his way to there. Jairus came to get him. But while he was going there, there was a woman who was suffering. She was bleeding. And it said Jesus came up to her. Actually, no, I'm sorry. She came and touched the, the, just the hem of Jesus' garment was healed. And what's fascinating, it says in the scriptures that she's exhausted all of her living expenses. All the money that she had, she exhausted on physicians but could never be made well. One touch of his garment and she was healed. One touch of Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do you know how long this woman was suffering for? 12 years. So I did a little math. And 12 years is 4,380 days. Which means this woman suffered physically and as an outcast in the society for 4,380 days. But then one day came. Then she had one encounter on one day where she met Jesus of Nazareth. And what the doctors could not do, Jesus did in a moment. 4,380 days were trumped by one day in the presence of God. One day. A few verses, uh, chapters later, Luke 13. Jesus goes into a synagogue. He's teaching. And in there, there says there's a woman who has a disabling spirit. What does that mean? It means that she was actually literally hunched over. But to make matters worse, it wasn't just a physical ailment. It was she was demonically possessed. It was, it was a demon that was actually doing this, the scriptures say. And Jesus was teaching, but then he saw her and he came up to her. And he laid his hand on her and she was healed immediately. Her back was straightened and she was delivered. The Pharisees, it's a whole other story, get frustrated by this. They say, you can do this on any other day, just not the Sabbath. You can set people free, but just not today. But here's the point is that it says that she suffered this way for 18 years. 18 years. I did some math. 18 years is 6,750 days. 6,750 days living in a crippled state in a society that does not have the benefits that we have today. She would have been kicked to the side, and yet one day came. One day came, and all of the rest of those days were washed away. Every single one was washed away. John chapter 5. Jesus comes up to a man. He comes to the pool of Bethesda. Let me back up. He comes to the pool of Bethesda. He's on his way to Jerusalem. It's the pool of mercy. And as he goes there, there's these five porches. They're almost like these caves, and all of the sick were brought there. It's kind of like a hospital before there really was a hospital. This is where the sick was, but there was no physicians. And every day they would gather here. And the reason why is there was a superstition that an angel would come and steal this pool. Uh, stir up the pool of Bethesda. And once the waters were stirred, the first one to get in would be healed. Now, if that's the case, this man had absolutely no hope because what we find out is that his legs were lame. And so Jesus comes up to him and says this, do you want to be made well? And his response, I love it, because he basically says, oh, I'd love to, but there's no one to carry me into the waters. In other words, I, I wish I could get better, but I've come to a place where this is how it will always be for my life. Like sometimes we can be sick for so long and surrounded by such sickness for so long that we just say, man, this is how it's always going to be for my life. And Jesus touches this man and his legs are strengthened and he's immediately healed. You know how long he was there for? 38 years. 38 years is 13,870 days. But one day came 
that trumped almost 14,000 days before that. One encounter with Jesus and his life was forever changed. You say, but yeah, that's Jesus. What about, what about today? Yeah, well, he lives in us. <laughs> and he says, the Father sent me, I send you. And so in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John go up to the temple to go to the time of worship. But on the way, they see this lame man who's begging for money. It's the famous story where Peter says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Forty years this man was suffering for. Forty years, that's 14,600 days. But in one day, everything changed. The power of a day, the power of, of, of a day in which you have access to the presence of God can shift all of your days before this. Thousands and thousands of days that have came, come before this where you couldn't set yourself free, you couldn't find a way to, to deal with the pain or whatever it may be. In one encounter with God, it all changes. One of my favorite realities of this is the fact that Jesus, the Son of Man, walked on this earth. He actually came and walked in the flesh. He lived a life that we were meant to live and then died the death that we deserve. And he actually took our place on the cross. The sinless, perfect one took our place. Can you imagine the humility of God? He said, I'm going to become your substitute. I'll take on what was meant for you, that if you put your faith in me, you'll be set free. And he was put in a grave. And for three days, it appeared as if hell had won. For three days, there was silence and hopelessness. It appeared that the grip of death was too strong for Jesus. But then Acts 10.40 says, but on the third day, there was a day that not even death or hell could hold down Jesus. And it was proclaimed to the rest of the world. And because he is alive today, because of that day, we have hope for today. For every situation that we walk through, there is hope. Not just for things to break outwardly, but to break inwardly in our heart as well. Man, Revelation 1, 17, 18, just listen to this. John encountered the resurrected Christ when he was exiled to, to Patmos. And when he saw Jesus, Jesus put his right hand on John's shoulder, because John fell as if he's almost dead when he saw Christ. And then he said this, Jesus to John said, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. He said, I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. The one who conquered death and the grave is alive today. In our midst today. Better is one day in your presence, Lord. Well, David, we get to experience that day every day. We get to experience that today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. What will he do in our midst today? I want you to, uh, real quick, turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. <clears throat> I'm going to look at verses 3 and 5 in just a moment. But, but I, I want to put this before you, before we open up a time to pray. Why am I sharing all these stories that I just shared? Well, one, it's to stir faith that Jesus can do what he did yesterday, today. Now, all these stories have dealt with actually an outer healing, a physical healing or deliverance. So first thing is we believe that God can do that today. 
We believe that as a body, like we stand for that. We are, we press into that and we'll never stop believing for that. We believe that the kingdom of God is here and now. But the other thing too is that if we can believe that Jesus can do those things, we can believe that he can heal anything. Not just outside healing, but inner healing too. Like he can heal deep wounds, deep deep uh, depression, frustration, heartache, pain, loss. Jesus is able by his presence to heal that as well. And sometimes breakthrough is not necessarily your outer circumstances changing, but it's a matter of the burdens you carry in your heart being set free. Like Jesus comes and he begins to liberate your heart in his presence. And I believe that some have come in here with what the Bible calls a day of trouble. Your heart is weighed down, it feels heavy, and yet Jesus is saying that those days of trouble cannot stand in this day either. It may not necessarily be that your outer body is changing, but it's something happening on the inside. Where you can leave here, even in the deepest of loss, and say, it is well with my soul. Jesus taught, and listen, to understand this, Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, when he was, uh, he was teaching in a, in a room, a house, where it was so crowded that uh, there was a man who was paralyzed. He was a paralytic. And it said that his four friends wanted Jesus to touch him, but they couldn't get in. So they went on the roof, and they opened up the roof and lowered their friend in. And Jesus, when he saw the faith of the four friends, he turned to the paralytic and said, your sins are forgiven because of their faith. It's a pretty wild story, but point is that the Pharisees, religious leaders, once again got upset and said, who do you think you are to forgive sins? That's blasphemy. Only God can do that. And so what did Jesus do, giving you in contemporary language? He said, almost, I feel he says, I understand that. I get that. Anyone can come around and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. He says, but to know that I have authority to forgive sins on earth. What's, what's easier, for me to say that or for to tell this man to pick up his mat and walk? He says, so that you know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, I will tell this man to pick up his mat. And that's exactly what he did. So the point is, when we see Jesus healing people of 12 years, 18 years, 38 years, yes, we have faith for that, but we also have faith that he can do the deepest of things in our heart. He can forgive. He can wash. He can uproot unforgiveness, bitterness, anger. Like all of that can happen in his presence. And so here, here's the thing, Psalm 27, verses 3 to 5. The Bible uses, we're going to see it in this psalm, the Bible talks about uh, a phrase called the day of trouble. You ever hear about that? It's a phrase used in the Bible, and I feel this is so important for today because it's called a day of trouble, and yet we're talking about the power of one day in the presence of God. And even the day of trouble can't stand in this day if you've been walking through that. It can't stand. And the Bible is very clear. A day of trouble, it can be anything, guys. Anything. And I'm not talking about just light things. I'm talking about real, like, loss in your life, real pain, things that really agitate your outer world where it's like, I feel like I'm going through tribulation, pressure. Uh, Jesus, Jesus understands that, and he says this is called a day of trouble. And so the Bible is clear. It's not if you will go through a day of trouble. It is when you will go through a day of trouble. It says When. And why do these happen? All different reasons. Some of it's just because we live in a broken world. Some of it's because we've made some poor choices. Some of it's because there's actual real spiritual warfare. But regardless of the reason, the day of trouble will come. But here's what I know is that you don't have to let what's going on the outside get into your heart. And you can actually posture your heart to come into the power of this day and see the Lord so that the day of trouble, once again, does not turn into weeks of trouble, turns into months, turns into years. But what I find is that if we don't know how to properly process the day of trouble, 
it does start to turn into weeks, months, and years. Most of the people that I meet with, my first encounter with them as a pastor is usually they're in a day of trouble. And I just want to just lead you for a moment. And if you're saying, man, I, I, I feel in my heart like this is true, but why haven't I experienced this? I want to just show you some things real quick that may get in the way of you experiencing the power of this day, the power of God's presence, right? Because look, if you, don't, if you don't guard your heart and you let the day of trouble get into your heart, it affects everything. Jesus and Paul warned about this over and over. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Meaning, you will have days of trouble, but it does not have to get on the inside. It doesn't have to, that's your choice of how you respond. And Proverbs 4, I think verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for the issues of life flow from it. So it's very important that we guard our hearts. So I want you to just see this real quick. Psalm 27, verses 3 through 5. And we'll close here. I just remember Psalm 50, 15. The Lord says, call upon me in the day of your trouble. That's what we're about to see. David went through many days of trouble. One was in 1 Samuel. I think it's chapter 30. There was a lot that was going on in his life. Saul was chasing him down. Saul's army had killed some of the men that David was with and actually killed their families. The men actually wanted to stone David. But it says in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 30, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. He knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord in the day of trouble. He knew the power of God's presence and what would happen. So listen to this. I'm going to read this through, verses 3 to 5. It says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to behold the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. And finally, verse 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He, you hear that? For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. So this is where we're going to close right here. We're going to believe that Jesus is going to touch lives outwardly and, and inwardly. And if you feel like, man, you believe that God's presence is this strong, but why am I not making this connection? I want you to see maybe what's happening in our hearts. And there's a few things the Lord just highlighted here. And the first is in verse 3. David said, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. In other words, he's saying, I won't allow what's going on the outside trouble my soul, trouble my heart. But here's one of the most important things is that David was honest and vulnerable about what he was going through. Very important. David does not say, man, everything's good outside. <laughs> everything's just going just fine. David said, though there's an army encamped against me, though there are many who have come against me, he says, my heart will not fear. In, in other words, I, I, I feel that um, a lot of times we, especially in charismatic circles, we have to be really careful of this. We are so good at giving that Christian cliche response when we're going through the day of trouble. We say, how are you doing, Andrew? And I say, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> now, there's a point in which there is power in proclaiming truths over your life. I get that. But a lot of times we say things and we're so disconnected to what's actually happening in our heart. And God is attracted to realness and humility. And a lot of reasons why we never experience the breakthrough of the power of God's presence. And we remain in the day of trouble is because we won't get honest about how, how disturbed we actually are. 
what it is that we're actually walking through. And so we give superficial responses and God says, no, no, I want your heart. I'm just not looking for lips. And if you do that, I'll do more like in an encounter than you could never do by coddling what's going on in your life. Crystal said, oh, there's a word for that when I told this week in, in counseling. She says it's called, I feel like Joe's going to love this. It's called toxic positivity. <laughs> yeah, you can actually be toxic by being so positive. <laughs> no, but what it means is you're, you're not real with what you're going through. And you're just claiming things. And again, there's power in the words, don't get me wrong, but we're really not like addressing what's going on in our heart. And David doesn't say, he says, man, this is what's going on. I bet if we could sit down with David and say, no, this, this is like really pressing on my life right here. But he says, my heart will not fear. And I think that's so important because fear is the opposite of faith. And so he's saying, I'm not going to let my, my heart start doubting God. I'm not going to let what's going on around me start to question God. And one of the major things in my life, I mean, really, this trips me up, is the moment I go through what David's going through in a day of trouble, one of my first responses is, the, is that uh, famous God, where are you? Why is this happening? If you're good and you love me, then why am I going through this? And there's many things to say to that. But the point is this, is that what happens is we get offended and anger toward, angry towards God. And rather than running towards God to experience his freeing presence, we start running away from God, the only one that could heal us. And so we say, man, if you're love, if you're good, then why is this happening? Lord? But David said, I'm not going to let my heart fear. I'm not going to let faith start to waver in my heart. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. But I'm, I'm not going to start to question God in this. Right? I'm going to run to him. Malachi chapter 1. I've been loving the book of Malachi recently. And in the beginning of it, it's a similar principle. He's going to address the nation of, of Israel. And when God comes, it's after their captivity in Babylon. In chapter 1, God addresses them by saying, I love you, but you say, how do I love you? In other words, the people of God were questioning how God actually loved them. And the reason why is because God gave them promises of restoration that had not yet come to pass. And so when they looked around, it was the famous thing of, God, if you're good and you love us, then why is this happening all around us? And they began to question the Lord, said, no, no, I want you to see that I've been working in your life, right? And so I just, I want you to be real with the Lord, be vulnerable, be honest, but know this, like, watch your heart from beginning to get angry and offended at God, because that will close you off to him. And his goodness will, will, will win out in your heart, I believe that. But, but it will be a longer process than it needs to. And so he says in verse 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold your beauty and to inquire in his temple. In the day of trouble, where did David turn? He locked into the Lord. He set his heart on the Lord. Like th this is the most important thing, guys. It's not belittling when we go through hard stuff. But the answer, the solution is to get you connected with the Lord. Why? Because better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And he'll do more in that day, in that moment, than you could do in a thousand other days. And I feel like one of the greatest examples of this, we shared a few months ago, Revelation 5.5, where John is weeping because of an issue, which is that there's no one worthy to open the seal. And do you remember the elder comes to John and says, stop weeping Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah who has overcome. He finds John in a day of trouble and says, John, the way you're going to get out of this is you've got to lock in with Jesus, the one who overcame. And because he overcame, you too can overcome what you are walking through. And finally, we see in verse 5, he says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under his tent 
He will lift me high upon a rock. One of the most beautiful things about the day of trouble is I find it often brings you into powerful encounters with God. <laughs> and so what the enemy tried to do to set, like destroy you, God actually used it for incredible setups to see the power of God. To see how sufficient and how, how worthy he is. Amen. So I'm actually going to ask, uh, I'm going to change this up for a moment. If I could have the worship team and Brittany and Caesar come up for just a moment and have them uh, actually worship for a second, if that's all right. So I, I really believe in my heart, like just release the word and, and I want to um, have a, a few minutes here to pray with you guys. And I want to pray specifically, specifically for outer healing, inner healing, like to believe that if we really come honest and vulnerable before the Lord, so much can happen in a parking lot outside in Mastic Beach. <laughs> it's amazing. Cars driving by, doesn't matter. Jesus is just so much greater than that. And so I just, I really feel for a moment before I open this up and we're going to pray. And for those of you who'd like to stay and come forth to pray, we invite you to do that. But don't come up just yet. I just feel we need to worship for one moment really set our hearts before we do this. And then I, I want you to come in faith when we're done worshiping. I'll call you up if, if you want to receive prayer. We sing a Testing. Why don't you guys stand up with me, please? Lord, I pray right now that faith would arise in every heart here. That even though we live on this earth and there's very natural things happening around us, that this is a supernatural moment. And that you've declared today is the day of salvation. You've declared that today is the day that you have made. And we declare that better is one day right here than a thousand elsewhere. We declare that what we could never do in our own strength is available here today. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, as we just worship for a moment, that you would just release a spirit of faith in hearts. Some that have been disappointed because of lack of breakthrough. But today, Lord, today would be a day in which you completely set your people free. So Holy Spirit, we just give permission right now to the hardest of hearts, to whatever it looks like, that you just begin to draw them, draw them, speak to them. Today there's a voice coming forth, and if you do not harden your heart, but respond to what the Lord is speaking, there is breakthrough on the other side of that yielding. Every day after this can change. One encounter can change the rest of your days. Yeah. 
Yeah, Vicky and Don can come forth. Oh, Jesus, you're the healer. Your love is the revival fire that sets me free. Oh, Jesus, you're the healer. Let's keep worshiping from there. We're going to keep worshiping. If you want to come oh, forth, Jesus, if you want to be prayed over, physical healing, if there's things that you're walking through in the day of trouble, I really believe that there's like breakthrough this morning. So we've got a prayer team up here. Listen, I'm so, so big on this. Pastor Crystal said last week, it's bigger than meeting with a person here. So, so don't just come up and make a line. Like, come to seek the Lord here this morning. And as you're seeking the Lord, people will come over and they'll begin to lay hands on you. But don't miss this day. Like, if you feel the Lord is tugging on your heart, do not harden your heart this morning. So we're going to keep worshiping. You come forth for prayer. <laughs> 